You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here. Locked On Nationals podcast. It is March 22nd. 2022 on tonight's show it's part one of my conversation with matt wyrick of nbc sports washington we discuss first of all the nationals making a couple moves uh they have got their deals done with josh bell and juan soto to avoid arbitration we discuss those the news the nationals are going to have some new threads coming up we also touch on masson as well and get some early spring training observations in part two we talk about battles to watch coming up in spring training. So fun conversation with Matt Wyrick. Here is part one. Part two will be out at some point on Wednesday as well. Hope you all enjoy. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Joining us, our friend from NBC Sports Washington is Matt Wyrick. Nat spring training, it's begun. You probably haven't watched it because Masson doesn't televise much of it. But we'll tell you our early thoughts from that. Also, some Nationals arbitration news and more coming up on tonight's show. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt, I, I saw you sneaking a sip of something, and that reminded me I had to also. What are you What are you drinking tonight as we do our show? The Matt Wyrick staple, Dr. Pepper, always. I, I've got bubbly, uh, the sparkling water. I feel like that reminded me. I, I just always take drinks of water at the most inopportune times, and also it costs me because I drink carbonated stuff. So the folks might be like, did Josh mm-hmm. just hiccup? The answer is probably yes. Uh, you heard that, but it just reminded me seeing you do that. I'm like, damn, I always drink at the most inopportune times for the show. All right. So you and I were talking and once again, Matt Wyrick, NBC sports, Washington, you and I were talking before we started uh, about some news. I just came across the wire about arbitration for two nationals players. So let us know, let us, let us have it. Yeah. So according to multiple reports, the nationals have avoided arbitration with Juan Soto. Uh, it's $17.2 million. Uh, that exceeds his MLB trade rumors uh, projection of $16.2 million, so certainly getting his worth there. Uh, and Josh Bell also agreed to a $10 million salary for this year. So both Scott Boris clients, the news broke within like five minutes of each other, so they must have just kind of knocked him out, bang, bang. And I, I so I saw John Heyman's tweet, and uh, it, it was very misleading. Juan Soto, yeah, comma Nats have a deal. Um, I would say like for Josh Bell, you could say that. For one, I, I think that's I, I think John knows what he's doing here. <laughs> yeah, he's trolling. He's got to be. Yeah. I I you know what? I really wish that the that MLB reporters like did not do stuff like that. Like you've got John Heyman on here trolling. You've got Jeff Passan, who is always like making comments about people's mothers on Twitter, which I find to be funny yet also unprofessional. Like, where is where is Shams or Woj? Why can't we just get a Shams or Woj just like 
straight up professional. I mean, Woj, Woj like emailed some congressman. Josh Hawley. Yeah. Now, that one was that one was dumb. That was not a good look for my guy Woj. So that is fair. But like at least on on Twitter, he's all business. Like he he's yeah. all he's all business. But let's get to this. So you and I were talking also about some of the biggest deals. I don't know exactly where Soto's falls, but 17.2, I believe was the number that you said. Um, mm-hmm. That's, I mean, an arbitration, man, that's a big number. Now it's look, once again, it's nice that he's under arbitration because he's so young, but like that is a big, and they avoid arbitration by doing this. It's a big number though. It's a big number. He's going to be paid. I mean, I just saw Vladdy. I think he's in his first year of arbitration. He's getting 7.9 million, yeah. uh, you know, Soto is getting paid for sure. Uh, it's it's definitely something that you have to kind of take into account now if you're uh, you know going to extend him right now. Uh, is he going to get a raise on top of that 17 million in your uh, extension, or will be tacked on to the end of it? What exactly is the deal there? Who knows? But we know for sure he'll be playing for 17.2 million. So uh, that at the very least is what he'll be making next season or this season. And then. And then the conversation around Josh Bell is an interesting one, right? Because, you know, you and I kicked this around too. Like that's somebody that I feel like the Nationals should maybe just go ahead and give an extension to. But they, I think Scott Boris was like, no. And, and once again, it's kind of his MO, right? You, you guys hit free agency. Um, that's somebody I'd like to see them get a deal done with just because, you know, we, we've mentioned this a bunch, but there is a certain amount of, um, you know, clarity, I guess you could say. Uh, and value to just saying, look, first base is taken care of for us for the next few years, or maybe even, you know, some, some DHing as well, depending on what happens. Um, but this, the, you know, obviously Nelson Cruz is there, but you know, things can change pretty fast, but yeah, I think Josh Bell, what is he? 29, about to be 30. Um, I, I think there's some value to saying, look, this guy's a power hitting first baseman. Like there's no really harm done locking up Josh Bell until he's 33. I know he's going through some some dips and some peaks and valleys basically. But he had a really good year last year. I mean, he really recovered off that really off that really bad start. And I think that's a player that is a strong veteran strong veteran building block for a team that doesn't have too many of those. So, I, I think um now there should be a conversation what they can do to keep him in DC. Do you agree? Yeah, you know, I would say that it's something that could work out for both sides, uh, you know, getting that lo- that long-term security for Bell. Uh, the Nationals don't really have first base depth. I mean, after him, the really only notable player in the Nationals farm system who plays first base is Jake Knoll. And Knoll right. had a good season last year, was actually their minor league player of the year, kind of raked in AAA. But, you know, he's not really considered a top prospect or anything. He's pretty old for a prospect as well. So you can attribute that to his, his why he was able to hit so well last year. Um, so, you know, can he do it at the major league level? Are you gonna really going to invest in him as a first baseman? Probably not when you usually depend on first base for so much offensive production. Uh, you know, Bell, I thought he was a really good player, really good hitter. Uh, for them after his early struggles last year, you know, 850 OPS after May 15th, that's really good. I mean, that's that's almost all-star caliber uh, for, for at first base. And, you know, you got if you sign him to a long-term deal, you can at least show Soto, hey, this is one guy that you know will be hitting somewhere behind you in the lineup for the next however many years, sign an extension with us. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think he's such an interesting player to me just because, like, he's so – I mean – the book, the book club thing. I know it's a weird thing to point out, but like it kind of tells you all you need to know about him, right? And for a team that just lost Mister National, 
to have somebody who actually plays that position also like as a community person just is like such a likable dude right and i mean you've got to interact with them some too the media stuff like there's not many people who are like f that guy that guy sucks right you just don't get that yeah. with josh no i mean uh, people were definitely the narrative around him early on last season was that he couldn't re recover from his 2019 form had a poor 2020 and then the, the bad start in 2021 that kind of you know, set the conversation for him for the year. And I think a lot of people kind of looked at the numbers at the end of the year and were like, wow, Josh Bell really actually turned out to be not so bad. Um, and, you know, he's a, a guy with a, a fun, bit of a funky swing. It's got a lot going on uh, and it's all about his timing. Uh, so, you know, when he's going cold, it's going to be cold. But when he's hot, right. you know, we've, we've seen him hit some tanks. All right. Quick word from our sponsors here. Then we'll talk about some spring training news and notes Today's show is brought to you by Mission Possible. Are you guys ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go? Mission Possible, written and uh, read by the New York Times bestselling author and athlete, Tim Tebow, former Met, encourages you to find your inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. Mission Possible by Tim Tebow is avail available wherever audiobooks are sold. All right, Matt. So we've seen, well, we have not seen more than one game. Um, once again, one of the greatest, greatest rivalries in baseball is nationals versus their RSN, right? I mean, what's better than a nationals versus mass and feud. It's, this has been going on for a while now, but I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. Like aren't other teams, a majority of their spring training games on their, on their RSNs. Uh, I would say, yeah, especially the ones that own a part of their RSNs. Right. Uh, yes. Usually we'll get them down there. Um, it's just a little, it's easier for them to do it. Uh, more content, too, right? Having, what do they have, like a 25% stake? Yeah, I mean, it's it's more promotion of your team, all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, this was a massing decision, not a nationals decision, as I understand right. it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the Orioles are kind of getting the same treatment, um, even though they have, you know, a much more majority stake in the in the organization. Yeah, and also it's it's very interesting because now it's the time where you want to see these guys. I mean, this is like these spring trainings are, you know, I know that they're not that important, but look, there's a lot of sorting for the Nationals to do, right? And a lot of fans want to see see these guys. And, you know, you, you and I have had to listen to some of the radio broadcasts and they had one game on, but it was on a Monday night, right? So kind of just weirdly shoehorned in there. So, you know, if you weren't able to watch it, it's kind of like one of your opportunities going by. I was able to catch just a little bit of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, another interesting part of this too, is a lot of teams are having their, uh, television broadcast crews travel again. And I, look, a lot of those guys, I know it's a grueling season, but a lot of those guys want to get out in the road and look, you've been in press boxes. I've been in a lot of press boxes as well too. There is just a, um, you, you do get a better feel if you are in person. It's in a the better product box. for the fans. Yeah. Yeah, you know? talking to – and I guarantee you those conversations – you know, we don't know this stuff. We, you know, a lot of fans don't know this stuff. But the conversations that guys like, uh, you know, Bob Carpenter have with a Gary Cohen, right, or, or, or you know, a, a Gary Keith or, you know, any of those guys, like you get little insights from talking to those guys that you might not have gotten before. You know, uh, an FP Santangelo or now this year Kevin Franson talks to a, another player who's doing broadcasts for those other guys. That's valuable stuff that, that that translates on broadcast. You know, you always hear guys say, hey, we got to catch up with so-and-so. Love those guys. They were telling us about player X, Y, or Z. You hear it all the time. You don't have to think about it. But watch and listen. You'll hear a lot of that this year because those guys, I can guarantee you, are so happy to be, be back together. 
The sad part is, at least for the start of the season, Nats broadcast team not getting that. So I I would argue, too, like that's actually going to hurt the broadcast. Once again, I like Franzen. I like Carp too. They'll do fine. But like there are extra stuff that you just don't get if you're not in the press box. You're not in person. You don't get a feel for the crowd. Uh, the sideline reporter is always, uh, you know, at least in my experience, it, you know, in the locker room before and after games at the press conferences with the with the manager. He's not able to do that or she's not able to do that. If, if you know, Dan Coco in this instance is not going to road games, you know, you're not going to get a whole bunch of insight, you know, during games from his reports that you would normally get. So, you know, there's it's it's a money saving move. It's unfortunate that the fan and, you know, the product has to suffer as a result. Uh, but I felt like, you know, as soon as the pandemic shut things down and, and people, you know, outlets started doing this, that it was going to be a long road to get back to it, if at all. Uh, I'm just glad that, you know, MLB is, is letting people back in the clubhouse again this year. That's that was something I was worried about uh, not being able to go into the clubhouses anymore. Um, it seems like that, that that's been something that uh, the BBWAA has really pushed for. So mm-hmm. you know, very grateful for their efforts uh, to make sure that happens, because. You really can't replicate it, you know, uh, as somebody who has been a strict remote reporter for the last two years covering the team through Zoom. I mean, there it's just irreplaceable and you, you don't get that day to day interactions and the, the little insights that you would get just from passing a guy in the hallway, uh, as opposed to sitting down in a press conference on a Zoom call with 12 other reporters getting two questions in, uh, you know, over choppy video. It's just not it's not the same. That, that relationship building, I mean, you just can't replace it. I know we sound like two just media dudes complaining, but like th- there's a reason why us media people cover the team. There's a reason why you guys you know, want to listen. You guys want the insights from the players, right? You guys want to hear the, the reason why we bring Matt on, you know, the, the, kind of Matt's here. Yes, obviously. But like, Matt, you come on because you have a very good insight and, and you're somebody that clearly is seeking out these stories. Like that's what media do. They're, the job is to be the conduit from the fan to the player, right? We're not just doing it to blow our own, you know, blow smoke up our own, you know, you know, what's like the whole point of this is to get the stories out to the fans. I think that gets lost sometimes. And I think you're totally right. I'm so glad, but um, you know, look, the the nationals, it's not their fault uh, that this stuff's not being covered as, as it should. I think it's pretty fair to say that, you know, Masson is making some cost cutting moves, but that it's not going to help the product. I think, generally speaking. Yeah. I mean, the Nationals made two huge announcements in the middle of the game last night on the broadcast. Had to wait till the third game of spring on a Monday night to do it. Yeah, they did. Let's see. First announcement was Zimmerman retired, and the second one was? Was the uh, alternate jerseys that are coming this year, which um, might be Cherry Blossom uh, theme, which fans have been calling for for so long. It's (laughs) actually DC United fans have really been pushing for it, and it seems like the Nats might beat them to the punch. Uh, So. The, the Nats tweeted out a couple of like color scale things and uh, right. a picture of like cherry blossoms mean more to us this year or something like that a couple of days prior. So it seems like that's what it's going to be, which I'm very excited. It's, it's going to be the rose pink and silver were the two colors that they highlighted. So I wonder if it's like going to be silver trim on pink letters with like that's a background too. or do you go silver jersey with pink lettering. I don't know. I don't uh, know if I would not go with the pink. Because I think they do the pink on – they do it during Mother's Day normally, right? That There's that pink mm-hmm. theme they do for yeah. breast cancer, whatever. I would probably not – just to make sure there's no confusion, right? I would go with the silver unis with that, that – and I know it's the pinks are completely different shades, right? 
I, I would mm-hmm. go. I would go with like what you said, the silver jersey with the pink letters. What do you is, is that is that what you want to say? What are you thinking? My only thing is I don't want it to look like a road jersey. You know, mm, so okay, you, yeah, you've yeah. got to have it. It can't look gray. If you're going to go silver, it's got to look silver. And not trying to nail that look over an entire jersey as opposed to just lettering might be a little harder. But apparently, Lerner, Mark Lerner said on the broadcast that they've been in talks with Nike over these jerseys for a few years. So they've been like, you know, perfecting this uh, over time. So I, I'm feeling optimistic about it. I think the Nationals have really, honestly, I've always liked the Nationals jerseys. I think that. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the years, anything but the uh, basic block nationals across the the chest that they had for a few years, anything other than that has been really good. The curly. I'll w, be honest, I don't love the sport. hats though with the capital on. I, I'm not a fan of those hats. I love the W. I love the Walgreens yeah, they W. Just have the w. Feed me yeah. the Walgreens W all day long. I, I love or the, the Senators hat. W. The Senators W. Yeah, is high yes. I think it's very yes. retro looking. It's yeah. Like it fits baseball. I mean, baseball yeah. is retro looking in general. I mean, the guys are out there wearing giant pajamas for God's sakes. I mean, yeah, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. That's a very fair point. Uh, all right. So one more quick word from our sponsors. And I guarantee you guys will actually talk about some Nationals baseball related stuff. But these stories are all coming out now. It's it's, it's worth mentioning because uh, once again, we can't watch a whole lot of the baseball. Today's show is brought to you guys by rockauto.com. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models for cars, it's now impossible to go to your local chain or auto parts store and find all the parts that you need. And also, why would you ch- choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more of the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 from a chain store, 216 at rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com today. And when you guys do, use the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. Make sure that they know that you uh, we sent you their amazing selection. Always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com today. All right, so uh, Matt, tell me what you've observed. Let's let's do that first. Anything that you've observed through the one game we saw on TV and some of the highlights from elsewhere, and also that you've listened to that has been most intriguing to you so far, and then part two we'll do what you're looking forward next. But let's just handle the observations so far through three games. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've listened to all the games that weren't broadcast on the radio, so I have mm-hmm. at least heard Charlie and Dave's take on everything. Um, I guess uh, one of the big things that stood out to me uh, is Sean Doolittle's velos back. He was throwing 93, 94 uh, in the game yesterday, which is a very good sign. Uh, took a big dip in 2020. He showed, uh, got a little bit, bit of it back last year, but seems to at least be throwing about what he was averaging pre 2019, you know, th- those days. So, that is a good sign uh, as pretty much the only left-hander projected to make the Nationals bullpen right now. But, you know, Sam Clay and Luis Avilon are the only ones who else are you know, in contention. So uh, that is pretty significant. Uh, you figure he's going to play a big role. Um, Josiah Gray gave up three home runs in his first inning of work. Yeah. Uh, not, not a great first impression, especially considering that he gave up a lot of home runs last year. But uh, he came back out for the second inning uh, and, and did all right. Uh, you know, he's he's trying to add more changeups this year. He did not give up the home runs on changeups. Uh, I believe they were uh, on uh, sliders, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So the, the slider clearly needs work, and he was just leaving pitches over the middle of the plate. Um, but that's something that you know you're going to have to kind of keep an eye on is how how those home runs come along for him uh, as spring training goes on. And um, other options. Cape Valley, nice little, nice little. Nice little stretch, right, for Kate Cavalli. Looking, Kate, looking pretty good. Kate looked great. 
Yeah, lots of strikeouts, which is a great sign. I mean, he, he yeah. led the minor leagues in strikeouts last year. I will say Cade came into this uh, appearance very strong. Uh, he has been in minor league camp already. Um, right. He was able to attend uh, what before while the lockout was still going on. So he has been in camp for a while facing uh, opposing hitters, things like that, as opposed to some of these guys who are just getting That's also why up. you saw him go three innings as well, too. I mean, it was a bit longer of a leash. Yeah, you know, the, the, exactly. Yeah. And, you know. Same with Anibal Sanchez. He's you know he's not been in camp, but he's been ramped up for a little while. Um, so that's why he was able, also able to go three innings. He came into camp strong, um, which I think bodes well for his chances of making the rotation uh, out of spring, especially with Joe Ross and Steven Strasburg expected to be on the injured list to begin the year. So I would think that uh, if, if Anibal comes out and has another strong start like he did, uh, I would expect him to be that fourth guy at least with that fifth spot still kind of wide open. I'd say Eric Betty's probably the guy. He's right. too two solid innings, but, uh, you know, Fetty's running out of chances. I think that he probably right. gets that fifth spot and they roll with those five guys, Strasburg, Corbin, Gray, uh, Fetty and Annabelle. Um, and then when Ross or Strasburg, well, probably Strasburg first comes back, um, you know, it's either going to be Sanchez or Fetty on the chopping block and, you know, who knows. All right. That will do it for part one of our show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore nationals. You guys can find me at Josh neighbors underscore part two of my conversation with Matt will be up at some point on Wednesday. So not to wait too long. We will look at position battles and what to watch for this nationals rebuild. Hope you guys enjoy that one as well.